Hello, and welcome to day 45 of A Year of War and Peace. I'm Logan. I'm Brett. And today we'll be talking about Volume 1, Part 2, Chapter 20. Indeed. That one took me a little bit. We're almost to Part 3. I know, one more, almost, and almost then I have to try again to... You have to relearn. Relearn the mouthful of numbers and letters. That is our chap- our episode introduction. Indeed. Chapter 20. The French have cut off the Russians. Uh-oh. Things are going very bad on the left flank. Nikolai has... Womp womp. Nik- <laughs> womp womp. Nikolai has vanished into the bush with the Russian marksmen. Meanwhile, the rest of the uh, infantry on the left flank gets surrounded by the French. They begin shouting, we're cut off. Surrounded. Cut off. We've had it. And they start running and routing. And the general, Dolokhov's, the general Dolokhov's regiment, shows uh, quite a bit of courage here. And he gets up on his horse and he rides out to the he front in. and rides among his men under cannon fire. And it says, uh, the moral turning point on which a battle with hinges was unmistakably the way of panic. Um, and he, had, he has to come in and turn it the other way. He's being really brave. He, I mean, he is. He's literally being so brave. He's literally running in the smell of fire and trying to, to get all of them to, to stop. Uh, and he doesn't. Uh, he doesn't succeed on his own. But just as it seems, all is lost. All is lost. Suddenly, Who comes in? Dolokhov with the steel chair. No, literally, he has a steel chair. That's actually what a bayonet is. It's a steel chair strapped to the end of your gun. It is. They have a bunch of. They start whacking you with it. They had a bunch of them laying around. Dolokhov in the fourth quarter. Uh, rushes in with the Russian marksmen, where, which is where Nikolai ran to. Out of the brush, they come and spring an ambush and charge the French. And Dolokhov kills a guy. Dolokhov with a bayonet. Stabs so him to death. So he stabs a guy to stabs death. Stabs a guy to death with what a bayonet. a violent way to kill someone. Dolokhov's going crazy, man. Because you see his wild eyes. He's going wild. He's like Travis Kelsey. <laughs> Wait, he... <laughs> He's like Travis Kelsey yelling at his coach. Viva Las Vegas! Viva Las Vegas, baby! Viva that's what I've been saying. Viva Schoengraven, baby. Oh, yeah. The French are driven back. The French are driven back. By the Russian marksman's charge. The he Russians, also takes a prisoner. He does. He takes Did an officer. That? He takes, he an, takes officer. A, an officer. He grabs an officer by the collar and takes <laughs> Which a prisoner. Which is just, I would imagine, it like, like holding up a kitten. <laughs> like, look what I found out by the pond. <laughs> so look, look what I found. Look what I found out by the pond. It tried to scratch me, <laughs> but I grabbed it real quick. Can I keep him? <laughs> Of course, Dolikov. But they drive him back. It, it buys enough time for the Russian retreating Russians to uh, reform themselves and get their wits about them. And then uh, after the French retreat, Dolikov comes up to the general and is like... He's like, so help me God. He's like out of... You he's, better he's like, remember this. He's like got wild eyes. He's gasping from exhaustion. Uh, tells me, t- I took an officer prisoner. And I got wounded. <laughs> he's like, and do you want to see my wound? Oh, and he has a French saber that he, that he took as well. Yeah, he's like, he's like walking up. Yeah, he has the wound. He's like, he's like kind of over bandaged himself a little bit to make it seem like a little bit cooler and worse than it actually is. And he has the French shoulder held up like a kitten. And he has the French saber and he's like, yeah. I got wounded and I killed someone and I took a prisoner. So they call me the triple threat where I'm from. Is it interesting? He's like lost his composure here. No, he's it's crazy. A really interesting, like little Dolokhov well, he, moment. He like lacks composure in a lot of ways. He does, but this is like he's animal. A different side he's animal. Yeah. Well, it's it's, it's the the kiss up Dolokhov is is interesting. He's like 
he's like desperate for like the general's attention. You know, he like wants his recognition. He's like, well, he the wants, whole company. I took I took these prisoners, and I, the whole company saw me, and, and I took a bayonet again. wound. Yeah, that's that's what I'm, I'm figuring. But it's an interesting side of him. I feel like he's like out. kind of t- he's tired. He's reached his breaking point. Yeah, of like being in war, and he doesn't really care. <laughs> I, I think it just shows that he doesn't really care about anyone else. The fact that he had to literally violently stab someone to death. Yeah. And that is like, he's like, this will finally, this will get their attention. Mm. And I think it just, it shows that he doesn't really care about anyone else but himself. Maybe. Or maybe it's that he stabs someone to death and now that he's in the middle of battle, he's like, I can't do this anymore. Please promote me. Please get me out of here. Please God, get me out of here. But he takes a bayonet wound to the head. So Dolokhov's winning the wound game so far. Well, we Nikolai might not have an arm anymore. That's true. So. That's true. Nikolai, so far our only uh, our only head wounds are Kutuzov and Dolokhov, though. The the obs. The obs. So name something about ob. something about the the head. Andre just got his little shoulder shoulder. Ever he, ever since we discovered that Kutuzov was shot in the head twice, I just tell people that. <laughs> I'm like, you actually want to know a crazy fact about this Russian general that you've never heard of before? It's like with the burning of Moscow. <laughs> I, one thing about me You're is... You're full of cool Russian facts. I'm full, full of cool Russian facts. Russians, they got a lot of shit going on over there. It's a big-ass country with some just a lot of isolation from the rest of the world. Yeah. They kind of do whatever inside of their own walls. Yeah. The walls of ice. Yeah. And they like can get away with it to like a certain extent. Like... There's not a lot that people can really do. Yeah, I mean, that's what's so interesting about Russia uh, culturally is it's not really Europe, but it's certainly not really Asia either. Like, they kind of have this, they're kind of just, they're doing their own thing. They're, they're kind of they're kind of the there. bridge between a few different cultural yeah. meeting points of, like, steppe, uh, Central Asian nomads and Eastern European Slavs. And, like, there's a, there's a lot of kind of things that they take from but aren't entirely themselves. I think that, that that's a, I mean, that's a part of this novel is kind of the search for Russian identity mm-hmm. in this period, which was like the period of Westernization where they wanted to, they wanted to be European and they wanted to import European ideas and, and culture and all of these things. And they, they're speaking French and all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like this, I think it's a big part of like Russian history culturally is like, what is Russia? What is where Russia? does it stand? What is the Russian identity? You know? Right. And I think, I think that in a weird way, the U S also kind of like, I think that a, a countries that are such an amalgamation of culture and people that are so large and vast mm-hmm. all struggle with the issue of like what does it mean to be yeah like what does your national identity mean because there's only like india too india is another like what does it mean to be indian mm-hmm. there's so many different cultures yeah, and languages. Yeah, like, yeah yeah just like the struggle of like what does like just to be from a certain place like what does it mean are you from your city are you from your town are you from your ethnicity your heritage that that's yeah russia's russia's really struggling with that <laughs> I think that they still are to a certain extent. Oh yeah. Of like who who their leader wants them to be versus who their people want them to be versus who the rest of the world wants them to be and mm-hmm. sees them as. And the Russian identity versus the Soviet. Yeah. Identity. I mean, even like this is very topical, but even like the interview that Tucker Carlson did with Putin and Putin's going back to like Rurik and the founding of Russia, like for the, like to explain Russian identity and history. It's like there's still this like identity crisis like what is what is what yeah. is russia you know it's interesting having an identity crisis having a little identity crisis russia's, I one russia's those, in eighth grade right i have now. one of those like every year russia's so. in eighth grade forever <laughs> i had i definitely had an identity crisis in eighth grade I have one of those like every year though, so maybe you're russian maybe that's why you like this book so much but uh yes yeah, so dolikov has his moment with the with the general 
Where he goes feral. And then we go over to Tushin. We're back to Captain Tushin and the artillery, and Literally they're going God crazy. Bless. They've they've Tushin, also lost their last. Tushin is having his moment, baby. Tushin's puffing on his pipe, dude. He's puffing on his pipe, and he's picturing he's picturing other people puffing on their pipes and little ants crawling all over. Yeah, he's having he's having a real time of it here. Uh, Tushin on the right flank has been abandoned. All the other all the other infantry got their orders to withdraw, and so did the artillery, but they didn't. Heed the orders care. or didn't get the orders. Something happened, and the artillery has not withdrawn. And so they're up on the hill, like 40 men and four cannons. Dude, Tushin's got ops. Alone. Tushin's got mad ops Alone here. on the hill. They've set fire to Shungraven with incendiary Why? artillery. Why? I think the order they were ordered to, to, it was supposed to delay the French troops. So think about some the people who be, live there. Hmm? Well, shouldn't have lived in the middle of war zone, silly goose. Why build, why build your village in the middle of Sorry. a battlefield? Duh. But he's solo holding. It says to the extent that the uh, entire the French force thinks the Russians are concentrated on the hill because they couldn't imagine that the cannons would still be there without support. <laughs> and they've sent two charges up on the hill, and Tushin has fought them off with a grape shot both times. And he's and he's eating it up. He's devouring. devouring. He's gobbling. He's gobble gobble gobbling <laughs> it up. But Tushin is Tushin is losing it. He's, he's Tushin's going crazy. barking orders like an Animal Crossing character. He's, <laughs> but there's, there's this whole passage here that I, is like awesome, where Tushin is like having this mad, like delirious fantasy about what's happening all around him on the field, where he imagines the other cannons as men blowing pipes instead of guns firing smoke, and he imagines the the French soldiers as ants swarming around him, and the the Rise and fall of gunshots. Tushin's like actually in my in my other life, I was an English teacher and I taught kids metaphors and similes and visualization. This Tolstoy Tolstoy self insert is, is Tushin. You think thoughts? <laughs> Agree or disagree? Um, I don't know about that. I don't know. Who do you think Tolstoy self insert character is? Pierre. 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 Of course, he makes himself the rich one. I'm like <laughs> they're super all rich. rich. I yeah, think Tolstoy was rich. Pierre's like mega That's true. rich Pierre now. Pierre is mega rich. After the death of his father. Tolstoy's real self-insert character is Levin in Anna Karenina. I've never that's, read Anna that's, Karenina. That's like like documented. Like canonical? Practic- practically. It's, it, Levin is like the mouthpiece for Tolstoy in Anna Karenina. Basically. And he dates all the and hot Levin, girls. And he gets kisses. And he's a lot of money. And yeah. everyone likes him a lot. And they think he's super smart. And they're like, you should write a lot of books, Levin. <laughs> Pretty much. Really? Not totally, but you could kind of tell. <laughs> but Pierre, the most similar character to Levin in War and Peace is Pierre. So if anyone is his self-inserted, it's probably Pierre. But yes, and Tushin, Tushin's having his mad fantasy about the battlefield, uh, he imagines himself as a Herculean figure lobbing cannonballs at the French with both hands. I think it's a really interesting chapter, especially coming after the last chapter and what we've seen before. It's almost like a contrast. It's like the thrill and the excitement and like the... But this is also a guy that's like clearly been to war before. Yeah. Like he's... he's It's not his first rodeo. You know, it feels like this is his element. Like he's found this really random weird thing that is like he's okay in this space right right i just think it's interesting paired with like the last chapter where the total low 
of a failed cavalry charge and being chased around and not knowing what's going on. And then you come to this chapter where you have like the ultimate high of warfare or the ultimate like fantasy of like the last stand and you're raging with all of your men and fighting off huge armies. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I just think it's, I think it's an interesting like pairing with, with the previous chapter to, to go like this super low and then up to this epic, like crazy fantasy of Tushin and this solo stand of yeah. 40 artillery men against the entire french army and it's it's, it's like it's, it's it's really interesting like uh, other other swing of the pendulum yeah. in terms of like the experience the variety of experiences on the on the field and of course it's not very it doesn't seem very healthy they're all kind of in this like delirious madness no. where tushin's like can't even imagine the idea that he could get wounded He's their like, eyes are like whited out yeah <laughs> they're just going along and this one of the staff officers comes up to order them to retreat and is like freaked out and like kind of gets the orders out and they don't clearly don't hear him or care and they just keep shooting the cannons and ignore him while he runs away <laughs> loser he should have been cool and hot and sexy like Andre yeah, when he Andre comes up. Andre shows him how it's done. Andre shows up on a black stallion. Rawr, and, and he, he dismounts and he, slowly. And he dismounts slowly and he pushes his hair back and it's like a little sweaty. And his arm wound is like the uh, like the, the bandage around his bicep is like a little tight. So it like his bicep like <laughs> tenses when he like pushes his hair back. And he's like, Tushin. Have you get, thought about retreating? How about we get out of here? How about we get out of here? How about we take this somewhere else? You how about we take me? this behind lines? And Tushin's like, oh, Andre, you should have seen the staff officer that was here earlier. He wasn't nearly as hot, <laughs> sexy, and brooding as you are. But yeah, Andre arrives, stifles his fear, and is very cool and awesome, and gives the order to retreat and oversees as the uh, inf- as the cannons. Finally, their two surviving cannons of the four that they had. They load them up and and bring them away. Roll away, roll away down the hill and, and and finally fall back. Tushin says to Andre, "My goodbye, my dear fellow. You're, You're a good, good soul. soul. Goodbye, my dear fellow." He said through tears, which had filled his eyes for no apparent Dude, reason. He's having like, I think he's having an episode. Like he's having like a the biggest adrenaline crash right now. He's having now. a big. He's having a big homoerotic adrenaline rush too. Well, he saw Andre slowly dismount his horse and push his hair back with his bulging biceps and his gorgeous eyes. <laughs> well, there's also the other, his other, his, uh, his number one gunner. It says, uh, when he's having, when they're fighting, it says also in his dream world, that handsome soldier who liked a drink or two, his number one gunner on the second cannon Tushin, was known as uncle. Tushin, Tushin looked at him more than anyone else and reveled in his every moment. Tushin is not the queer representation that we asked for, but he is the queer representation we needed. That's what you get. He's what we needed. He's what we needed in War and Peace. He'd be so fun at the at the club. Dude. Tushin would get him get him up. at the club. This little short guy. How do you think it's five foot four, five We're foot five? We're off to the club. Little short diminutive figure. Uh, I like when they say that he's like half as broad as spectacles. (laughs) Like not glasses. He has spectacles. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? You're picking up what I'm putting down? Oh yeah. Yeah. But the cannons retreat after a crazy last stand and the uh the Custard's last stand. It seems like things are um the retreat is at least proceeding in order at at this point. It seems like the the Russians have, have starting to get get their retreat together. Off the field. Rankings? Ooh, this is a hard one. Um, oh, least to most likely to sleepwalk. Mm. 
because they're like all in like weird trances right now. Mm-hmm. Andre, Tushin, and uh, Dolokhov. Hmm. I'm gonna say I'm gonna put Dolokhov number one. Really? Yeah. I feel like I feel like coming back from this after the after the experience he's just had. I think he's gonna be. He's going to have some tormented dreams. Imagine you're sleepwalking, but you're in the army. And you just, like, what? Wander away from camp? <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> I used to sleepwalk as a kid. So I would wander. Ooh. I was a wanderer. Mm. I ended up outside once. I think at this time they didn't even have full tents. They would just bivouac, yeah. like, under the stars. That's what I was thinking. So they'd just get up they'd and walk. sleep on the ground. <laughs> just walk out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I think, I think Dolokhov... He would imagine taking the colonel prisoner and, and killing men. <laughs> and I think he'd just get up and, and, and wander around. I think it's an interesting... This is almost kind of back with, you know, the difference in the experience of combat between the infantry being in, like, the nose-to-nose and mm-hmm. killing hand-to-hand versus the artillery, kind of just gunning away at ants down the hill, you know. So I'd say... I'd say I'm going to put Dolokhov first, possibly controversially. And then I'll put Tushin for yeah. obvious reasons. Tushin was gonna be my number one, and then uh, and then Andre. I'll throw Andre down at the bottom. Andre's not a Andre on a sleeps like, like this. They're uh, what, you have to describe I'm it. Lying. I'm sorry, <laughs> I, that was more for you. But I was lying, just like pretending to lie down with my arms by my side, like on my back with my eyes. Like closed. you're in a sarcophagus. Yeah, like he doesn't move when he sleeps. Yeah, that's it. That's it. All right. The everyone. Russian army is retreating. They're falling back. They're running really fast. They're being very brave. They're being so brave. All right, come on, everyone. All right, see you guys tomorrow.